Welcome back to the Wildlife Podcast. Long time no record. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I had a major life event. I started a new career. I started a new career at a company called Fight Camp. We are a digital connected online fitness platform delivering awesome, awesome, awesome boxing classes that you can take from home. You can do them with, um, if you have a boxing bag and gloves at home, you can buy the Fight Camp trackers and subscribe to the platform and you can start taking classes that way. Or you can get the full package, the whole Fight Camp package where you get a freestanding bag, you get gloves, you get wraps, you get the trackers. I'll talk about the trackers in a second. And don't worry, this podcast is not all about Fight Camp, although... I'm not opposed to that because I'm in love. Um, but you get trackers, gloves, wraps, a freestanding um, bag, and uh, and then you subscribe to the platform and you take classes from amazing fighters, boxers, kickboxers, men, women, and the classes are so good. The workouts are amazing. If you've been following me for any length of time, you know that I have had a love affair with boxing. And I was doing that all the way up until COVID happened. Um, But yeah, this allows me to stay in the fitness industry. You guys know I have a passion for all things fitness. I have a passion for all things entrepreneurialism. And I have a passion for all things tech. And I don't really talk about the tech thing so much because I don't think a lot of people relate to me on that level. But this position with Fight Camp, I am the senior talent producer, allows me to tap into all of those things that I love. Um, it's a company, so it's it's not my company. I'm not the entrepreneur that started it. But we each have um, the opportunity to bring entrepreneurial aspects into our jobs. And so that is really cool. But um, that's what I've been doing for the last few weeks. And so... It's nighttime. I'm in my recording studio. Wink, wink. No, I don't know if I've ever said where my recording studio is, but I think I sound pretty good. So I think I have a good recording studio. But today's topic is um, something that people, I'll, I'll like mention it every once in a while on my Instagram. Um, but people have messaged me and have asked me for more info on this. And so I thought I would do a couple episodes dedicated to my autoimmune diseases, which is just so fun and glamorous and awesome. Uh, But I was reminded of it today. I was listening to a different podcast and they had a rheumatologist on and it reminded me that it was time to do this episode. So yes, supposedly... I have rheumatoid arthritis. That's the title of this episode. And it's it's really true. Supposedly, I do have rheumatoid arthritis. And here's how it all went down. So I was 25, 24, 25. And I had just gotten married to my husband, Jack. And we were trying to get pregnant. And I would say um, this was, we got married on New Year's Eve in 1993. So this would have been, hmm, I guess this would be in June of 1994. Um, 
we, oh, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to say this was in May. <laughs> this was in May. Um, I had torn my meniscus. So May of 1994, I tore my meniscus working out and I had to have knee surgery. And in the knee surgery outcome or report, they made note of the fact that the synovial tissue or synovial fluid in my knee looked weird and that I should follow up with a rheumatologist. And my husband's a physician. He's actually an orthopedic surgeon. And so he was pretty familiar with what they were talking about. And I was 25, which is still, I mean, I was just so young. Um, although I look at 24 and 25 year olds now and they just seem so much wiser, but I didn't really think anything of it. They just said the tissue looked funky and that I should go get it checked out. And so, um, this was in May and the first weekend of June was my husband's birthday. We had gone to Las Vegas and I was just recovering still from the knee surgery and made my appointment with the rheumatologist shortly thereafter. So um, went to the rheumatologist, looked at all the stuff. He's like, let's do some blood work and um, da-da-da-da-da. So they called me back. Oh, so he said, let's do some blood work. And he said, I think you're going to need to take some medication for the rheumatoid arthritis, but you can't take the medication if you're pregnant. So we're going to do blood work and we're going to give you a pregnancy test. And I said, great, let's do it. Had the blood work. They called me up and they said, well... We do think that it's a good idea for you to start taking the rheumatoid arthritis medication because we have found that you do have rheumatoid arthritis. However, you're pregnant. And that's how I found out I was pregnant. I was only, I think I was like three weeks pregnant, but it showed up in the blood test. And um, and there you have it. I was pregnant and, of course, over the moon, elated and overjoyed. And the doctor or the nurse that called to give me the results of the blood work, she said, um, follow up with us after you have your baby. And I said, okay. So no one else in my family had rheumatoid arthritis. Everybody, all of the women in my family on both sides have autoimmune diseases like Hashimoto's thyroiditis. But I was the first one to present with rheumatoid arthritis. But I was pregnant. I was young. I felt fine. I mean, I had the knee surgery and outside of the tissue inside of my knee, I, w- I didn't have any symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. So I went about my life and I had my baby and I didn't go back to the rheumatologist because I, um, you know, was busy being a mom. I eventually did follow up with the rheumatologist and I did in fact have the blood work that showed that I had rheumatoid arthritis, but I had no symptoms. So he said, come back to me when you have symptoms. And I said, okay, fine. And I started to read up on, you know, what causes rheumatoid arthritis, what can exacerbate it. And I started to learn a little bit about diet and nutrition, how they play hand in hand. But again, I'm still young The majority of people that have issues with RA are older and I just kind of like blocked it from my system, from my, from my brain, from my mind. Um, a few, maybe a year in to having my daughter, she's probably around one. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which I'll do a separate episode on that because that one's a little bit longer. 
But, um, and so I, according to my blood work, I had two autoimmune diseases, but at the time, and this was 26 years ago, um, there, you know, obviously in 26 years, research has progressed. And now it's common knowledge that if you have one autoimmune disease, you're most likely going to have two. So it's not a surprise to me now that I had two. And even back then when I was 25 and 26 years old, um, it just didn't really register. I felt invincible. And so, you know, I, I took the Hashimoto's a little bit more seriously. Like I said, we'll talk about that in another episode. But as far as the RA goes, it was non-existent to me. I had no outward signs of it until I'm going to say my daughter was six, five or six years old. So five or six years after being diagnosed with it, I also had really bad acne. And I went to a dermatologist um, and I filled out the intake form and I did uh, highlight the fact that I had rheumatoid arthritis. So the doctor saw that. We actually discussed it. And then the doctor dermatologist proceeded to prescribe me a medication called minocycline for my acne. And I started taking it. And I'm going to say within a day or two, I started to experience tremendous pain in all of my joints, like joints I never even thought that I had, specifically like the joints in between my breastbone and my sternum. Like I could feel like where those bones were connected to each other pretty much all throughout my body. I just had this like pretty fast onset onset of joint pain. And uh, I reached back out to the doctor, told him what was going on, and um, and I and I opened up the the little piece of paper that comes in the medication, and read about um, people that have rheumatoid arthritis should not take medicine or minocycline because it can exacerbate the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. I share that with my doctor. Um, I should, he's not my doctor. <laughs> I never went back to him ever again because I think that that was an oversight on his behalf that caused me a tremendous amount of pain. So once I realized that the minocycline was causing that, I decided I was going to live with the acne and stopped taking the medication. And within a week or so, the pain went away. Side note, years later, I had a friend whose husband, um, we were talking one day and she was saying, oh, he's got like this awful, awful joint pain. And it just like sprung me back to the minocycline. And I asked her, is he taking minocycline by any chance? And she said, yes. And I said, oh my gosh, I know what this is. <laughs> and so anyways, side note. So um, yes, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, you should not take minocycline. I don't know if any of the other penis or tetracycline type drugs do the same thing, but minocycline definitely does. So outside of that incident, I cruised through the rest of my 20s and my 30s without even really thinking about the rheumatoid arthritis. The Hashimoto's thyroiditis played a much bigger part in my life during those years. Um, As I got into my 40s, still having acne, still having issues with the thyroiditis, um, doing more and more research about autoimmune diseases and 
um, got really into diet and nutrition and exercise. Well, I was already into exercise, but really got into the science behind nutrition, specifically around autoimmune diseases. And I started to learn about the effects of sugar and gluten on the body, especially from an inflammatory state uh, and just how you're, uh, someone that has autoimmune diseases um, can feel symptoms if they consume too much sugar or gluten. Dairy was another one. Um, and so I made a massive shift in my life and I quit eating gluten and I quit eating sugar like like hardcore quitting sugar. And now I would say I, I consume a very low sugar diet. Um, yes, it was just my birthday. Yes, I had cake. Yes, it had sugar in it. So that and, and it had gluten in it. That is like, you know, once a year type thing. I mean, like on the daily, I limit the amount of sugar that I eat. Um, not as strict as I was before. Um, but when I first did it, like I was coming off of like consuming massive amounts of candy every single day. So I needed to just go cold turkey. But when I did that, um, cut out the sugar and the gluten and the dairy, um, not only did my autoimmune diseases, uh, the stuff that was bothering me specifically with the thyroid get better. So did all of my acne weird, <laughs> but all the acne cleared up, the thing that the doctor was giving me the minocycline for. Um, this, my stomach issues cleared up. Um, my thyroid started to chill. Not, And when you have Hashimoto's, it goes up and down. Um, it started to chill. And uh, I just knew that I was on the path to something else better than consuming what I was consuming. And so um, then I started to do some more research and I started to learn about nightshades and how they are inflammatory and definitely affect people that have certain autoimmune diseases, if not all of them. I don't, there's over a hundred autoimmune diseases. I really only focus on the two that I have. And um, I started to limit the nightshades. So those are things like potatoes, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers. Now, if if you ever if you're ever out with me and you see me eating something that has gluten or sugar or peppers or you know I don't have celiac disease. It's not going to make me like physically ill. Um, thank goodness. But. They definitely, if I consume them over, sometimes it's even just like a day or two. Like if someone brings me a lovely bounty of tomatoes, I'm going to eat them. And the result will be I will get some joint pain. Um, when I go to Paris, or I, I specifically remember a, a trip to London, and I hadn't had gluten in like three years, like literally was like super strict. And I got to London and I grabbed a baguette at a bakery. And within 24 hours, I had um, all of the joints in my fingers swelled up. And we know that it was caused by the gluten. Um, so I pay a price if I consume those things, but it doesn't land me in the hospital or anything. So um, I started to limit the nightshades that I was consuming um, and things started to get a little bit better also. 
Um, and if once I eliminated those things, if I did eat them, like what I said about the tomatoes, I would experience some joint pain. And then I know, okay, you've, you know, you're letting some stuff back in. You can live with the joint pain. But as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, I want to live a life free from having to take as many prescriptions or as few prescriptions as possible. So I do have to take Synthroid for the thyroid, but I'm not taking, I don't take pain pills unless I have, you know, like a headache or something, which is rare. I don't take um, anything for rheumatoid arthritis. And I truly believe it's because I've controlled it with diet and exercise. Um, Diet is probably the bigger part when it comes to rheumatoid arthritis. Um, bigger than exercise, but I control them through diet and exercise. So first it was the gluten and the sugar and the dairy, and then it was nightshades. And then most recently, probably a year ago, I started to educate myself on lectins, which is um, a protein that is found in some of my favorite food, <laughs> like beans, um, and some other, it's, it's actually, lectins are in a lot of things. And there's different ways that you can eliminate lectins by cooking process, pressure cooking. Um, you can just avoid them if you, like cucumber seeds have lectins in them. So I um, will scrape those out if I'm going to have a cucumber. So there's different things that you can do to limit your lectin exposure. Um, but lectins is like another thing that has helped. So I know that there are some of you listening right now, hearing this and thinking that I've created a life that is very sad because I don't get to eat food. Um, I get to eat plenty of food and I can eat all of those foods, but the, the result would be I would have pain or I might have to take a medication. Um, so while, it sounds very limiting and controlled and could also be a form of orthorexia. Um, we should do a whole episode on ortho. I keep a little piece of paper here and I write down the things, the little buzzwords I talk about. Um, it may seem like that to some people, um, but I work with doctors to make sure what I'm doing is not excessive and that it is actually helping um, and not helping me in one way to the detriment of another. So wouldn't want to help myself physically if it was hurting me mentally, right? Um, and there are times when I'm like, oh, you know, I, I just want to eat pizza or, you know, this is very controlled or restrictive. And I work through that. Um, but so, yeah, lectins. That was harder <laughs> because a lot of things that I, as a vegetarian, a lot of things that I rely on for protein contain lectins. So I would say that I know I'm better off without lectins, but I see a bigger re ROI, return on investment by avoiding gluten, dairy, sugar, and nightshades. The lect eliminating the, the lectins, ha I haven't seen or felt a I have in some, some of them and some lectins you can, you know, take out it. You can take everything out and add some back, back in and some are going to affect some people and not affect others. You just have to do trial and error. 
So the doctor that I learned the most about lectins from is Dr. Stephen Gundry. So if that sounds um, like even interesting to you, I highly suggest that you read some of his books. Um, People who suffer from migraines, from autoimmune diseases, from obesity, like all lectins really, really, really control uh, or actually not control. They can affect many, many people in a lot of different ways. So I think it's something that if you aren't feeling 100% your best for whatever reason, you should check out Dr. Gundry's book so you can learn about lectins. Um, So where am I today? So where am I today is that over the last month, just with the change in careers and you know, COVID and my daughter leaving after being home for a while and my birthday. Over the last month, I haven't been as strict on my game as I normally have been. And the result of that is my big toe joint on my right foot hurts. My One of my finger joints hurts on my right side. Uh, and it's not from exercising or, you know, anything like that. It is because I haven't been on my diet game. So um, back on it after the birthday escapades, (laughs) I went full throttle on my birthday. I'm just not going to mince words. There was French fries. There was pizza. There was cake. There was um, donut. There was like a lot of things. And I don't normally do that. But I think it was just like a release of emotions because, yes, I emotionally eat. I'm not perfect. Um... I struggle. (laughs) So anyways, that is my story on rheumatoid arthritis. So like I was saying, where I sit today is I'm, I'm feeling those little nagging joint pains. And I know that I don't want to be on medication for, um, RA. So I will already have cleaned the diet back up, got back on my A game. Why? Because my mission and my focus, my priority in life is to live a life free from pain, consuming the smallest amount of medication, prescription medication as possible, and being able to do the things that I want to do and wear the appropriate clothing while doing so and feel confident in my body. And so I can't do those things if I'm eating like an asshole and have joint pain because I have rheumatoid arthritis and I don't want to take medication for rheumatoid arthritis. And if you do, that's okay. That's you. That's your philosophy is different than my philosophy. My husband falls in the category of I'm just going to take a pill for it. And I'm like, I don't want to take another pill. Like I don't even want to take another probiotic, (laughs) but I do. Um, and so that's just my philosophy. So that is my story on rheumatoid arthritis. Um, for the record, I'm 52, which is just about the age where when you are going to start to have physical outward signs of rheumatoid arthritis, this is around the time that it starts. Um, and I'm happy to report that even though I have a little joint pain in my finger, my fingers still look like those of a not 52 year old woman. Um, I don't have any, uh, abnormal joint, you know, things that look abnormal. Um, so yeah, that's what's shaken.
So I hope you liked this episode. I'm going to do another one probably next week about um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis and just my story on it. But I think you might know where what the moral of the story is going to be. Although I, I'll let you in on the... Um, I'll give you the preview of it. I do take a pill every day. I do take Synthroid every day, but I'm not happy about it. Uh, All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having a kick-ass day and we'll talk soon.